get into the Word. We honor the Word around this place. We honor the Lord. Amen? Matthew, the sixth chapter. We've been looking at a few things that, you know, Jesus has said about prayer. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, it says, And when you pray, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you that they have their reward. Can anyone tell me what their reward might be? Well, their reward might be the praise of men, right? So we're not interested in the praise of men. You know, if we can please man while we're pleasing God, so be it. But our number one priority in life is to please the Lord. Amen? Amen. And notice with me in verse 6, but when you pray, enter into thy closet, okay? A closet in those days, as I said last time I preached along these lines, a closet was a place, not like the closets that we have in our home, but it was a very special place where treasure was kept. And so the Lord knew that, and He said, so in your prayer closet, you're going to get some jewels. You're going to receive some treasures from the Lord. I wonder, has anybody ever gone to prayer and just heard from heaven and just it was like a jewel it was just like a treasure to you amen you know he said over there in uh, jeremiah he says if you call unto me he said i'm going to answer you and he said i will show you great and mighty things that you don't know see our head doesn't know a lot of things that god knows but oh thank god he will reveal them to unto us by the holy spirit And that's why one of the reasons why he's given us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our helper and he will show us things that we need to know. And so the master is saying, you know, go into your closet, you know, get away, find a place where you can pray. And that's the most important thing. And when you have shut thy door, pray to thy father, which is in secret and thy father, which seeth in secret. What will he do? He will reward you openly. Now, as I was looking at this, something jumped out at me. Notice in verse 6 again, and when thou hast shut the door. See, lots of times we keep the door open during our time of prayer and we become distracted. So what does shut the door mean? Well, shut the door may mean turn the computer off. It might mean turn the iPhone off, turn the iPad off. In other words, shut yourself off from anything that's going to distract you. Have you noticed that when you purpose in your heart to pray, the devil starts talking? And and starts reminding you of all the things you've got to do? I didn't know he was so knowledgeable of my to-do list. (laughs) You know? And he's knowledgeable of your to-do list as well. So you've got to be disciplined in this. And just shut off Those things that need to be shut off. Okay? Now notice with me in the next verse. But when you pray, do not use vain repetitions. Vain repetitions is repeating the same words over and over and over and over again. As the heathen do. For they think that there should be heard for their much speaking. So let's talk about that. Do we have to have all these eloquent and elegant words for the Lord to hear us? Do we have to have long sentences and be able to speak in perfect English and even Elizabethan English for the Lord to hear us? No, 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 no. Have you ever noticed that when the Lord talks to you, he talks just like you do? You know, if you're from the South, he'll talk Southern to you. If you're from Lebanon, he'll talk Lebanese to you. Amen. And so that's the way the Lord is. He's not impressed with our much speaking, is he? All right. 
And so uh, in verse 8, he says, Be not therefore like unto them, for your father knows what things you have need of before you ask him. Now notice, here's where we left off last time I was here. After this manner, therefore pray ye, our father, which art in heaven. So Jesus, you know, he gives us a real interesting, wonderful model for prayer. Okay? And so the model is this. All prayer should be based on communion with the Lord. You know, Pastor Tom Gray did a great job on preaching on abiding in the vine. Were you there for that? Well, you know, abiding in the vine is basically having close communion with the Lord. Amen? And so all prayer then should spring forth from close communion with the Father. And Jesus then begins then by exhorting his disciples to pray according to this pattern, according to the pattern of praise. Amen. It's a great thing to do first thing in the morning to lift your hands and to lift your voice to our Heavenly Father. Amen. Father God, I worship you this morning for you are El Elyon, the Most High God. You are El Shaddai. You are my Father. You are the God who is more than enough. I'll not face anything this day that you didn't already see coming. Lord, I honor you and I praise you that this is the day that you have made. I'm going to rejoice as your son or as your daughter. And I know that you will be a God to me all day long. Hallelujah. So our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Oftentimes when I pray, I will hallow the names of the Lord. I will hallow, I will sanctify those names. I will get excited about the fact that he's Jehovah Rapha. That he is not only the Lord that healed me, but he is the Lord that continuously keeps me strong, keeps me healthy, and keeps me well for his glory. Thank you, Lord. Let's just lift up our hands right now and say, thank you, Lord. You are Jehovah Rapha. The Lord that healeth me, the Lord that redeemeth me, the Lord that continuously and constantly strengthens me and keeps me healthy. Amen. We need strength to live. You know, if you're going to be a blessing and you're going to fulfill the great uh, commission, which all of us are a part of, we got to have strength to do it. Amen. You need strength for your job. Strength to be a parent. I mean, we live in a very stress-filled society. But I've discovered that we're too blessed to be stressed. And if we'll live under the spot where the glory comes out, there's an unending supply of strength and health and renewal and rejuvenation and quickening for the children of the Most High God. Now, another area that we really constantly have needs in is in the area of finances. Amen? Well, He is our Father. And our Father loves us. As a matter of fact, we've been talking Sunday morning about that God is love and love loves us. And so he will supply abundantly all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Why not just start the day out thanking him in advance that every need is met? Let's just lift our hands right now and say this together. Heavenly Father, I thank you that Jesus is my Jehovah Jireh. You are my abundant provision. You're my, you are my exceeding great reward. I thank you in advance for every need being met and every bill being paid. That's awesome, isn't it? That's the way to pray. That's the way to praise. That's having close communion 
and close fellowship with the Father. So he says here in Matthew chapter 6 once again. He said being, uh, in verse 9, After this manner pray ye therefore, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now notice this next verse. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Very interesting statement there. Pray that the kingdom come. Well, you know, the Bible says that you've already been delivered out of darkness and translated into the kingdom of his dear son. And he furthermore says that the kingdom of God basically is within you because the king is in you. And the kingdom of God is not a kingdom of depression. Is there any depression in heaven? Is there any disease in heaven? The kingdom of God, when is it, when is it, when it is at hand, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, joy, health, strength, power, life in the Holy Ghost. And so basically, you know, Jesus is saying, pray the kingdom of God come. Pray that the will of God would be done in your life this day, in this hour. Oh, hallelujah. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in my life. Your will be done. Your plan be accomplished. When I pray this prayer, I not only pray this prayer for myself, but I pray it for you. I pray it for my ministry friends. I pray it for myself. I pray it for my family. And oftentimes, in you see... In the area of prayer, there is a um, there is an anointing that will come upon you, and that will, anointing will lead you and guide you to pray prayers that come out of your spirit for your friends, for your family, for your pastor, for your nation, and some of the things that I pray when I pray for you and I pray for myself is I pray those Ephesians prayers. Let's look over there at Ephesians chapter 1 for a moment tonight. And I think we're going to pray, I think we're going to teach by precept and example tonight. Is that okay? I think we're going to actually do some of the things that I've been teaching together. Amen? Now notice with me in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 through 23. Paul's praying for the church at Ephesus and he prays, I pray that the God of my Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory, that he would give unto me, give unto my partners, give unto my friends, give unto my family, give unto them what? The spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of their understanding would be flooded with light. And as the eyes of their understanding are flooded with light, here's what's going to happen. They're going to come to a place where they're going to know something. They're going to know the hope to which he has called them. And not only that, they're going to know and have insight and revelation about the riches of the glory and this glorious inheritance that belongs to them in Christ Jesus. Next verse. And I pray for myself. I pray for my partners, my friends, our church members, my ministry friends. I pray that we may get revelation about the exceeding greatness of your resurrection power 
which belongs to me because I believe. And that power, Paul says, it's in direct proportion according to the working of his mighty power. And notice this next verse, which he worked in Christ. When he did what? When he raised him from the dead. But not only did he raise him from the dead, he raised you from death unto life and made you sit together with him in heavenly places. Oh, hallelujah. And the Bible says that we've been raised up far above one of those verses, far above all principality and power. That means devils, demons, anything and everything. And dominion, and like Pastor Brenda preached the other night, and every name that is named. Woo! Glory to God. Not only in this world, but also in the world which is to come. But he's not done praying that now. He says, and he put all things under his feet. Remember, he's the head of the church. We're the body of Christ. The feet are in the body. He put all things under the body of Christ's feet. Oh, glory. And gave him to be the head for all things. Moffat's translation says, for the benefit of the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Let's pray this prayer right now. Lord, pray this after me. Father God. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in my life. I pray tonight, Father, that you would open the eyes of my understanding. Flood my spirit with light. Give me revelation that I will know these three things. The hope to which you have called me. The mighty inheritance that belongs to me in Jesus Christ. And I pray, Lord God, that I would get greater insight, deeper revelation about the power of your resurrection. And how that you raised me up. You lifted me up. And made me to sit in heavenly places. And you put all things under my feet. I pray that your kingdom come. Your will be done in this regard. In my life. In my family. In my church. In the name of Jesus. Now let's look over at Ephesians chapter 3 verses 14 through 21. See, these are real simple prayers to pray. And you know something? The more that you pray these prayers, the deeper insight you'll get. The sharper you'll get. The more light you'll get. The more revelation you'll get. You will see things you've never seen before. And if you have seen them before, God will multiply His revelation to you. Oh, it's powerful. Now, the Apostle Paul was a prayer. And so we're, we're talking about some things Jesus said. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. It is the will of God for our hearts to be flooded with light. Amen. Now Paul said, for this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of my Lord Jesus Christ. 
of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Aren't you glad there's a family in heaven? How many of you got kinfolk in heaven? What a glorious day it's going to be when our Savior and our kinfolk we shall see. Amen? It's going to be awesome. So there's a family in heaven. There's a family in earth. And my God, my Father, is the Father of the family. And so he says, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. And he's asking for a grant. How many of you have ever applied for a grant before in the natural realm? Okay. So you know that that's quite a, quite a, a process that you apply for a grant and there's different rules and regulations you have to come by. Well, God is giving out grants. And we can ask for grants. Father God, I pray that you would grant me, grant this church, grant my friends, my partners, grant my family, grant Brenda, Grant us according to the riches of your glory. Wow. Not just your glory, but the riches of your glory. That we would be strengthened with might by your spirit in the inner man. Next verse. That Christ would dwell in our hearts by faith. And that we would become rooted and grounded in love. Rooted and grounded in this revelation that love loves us. And rooted and grounded in this revelation that by the grace of God, we can walk in love. We can walk in the spirit. We don't have to fulfill the lusts of the flesh. It don't matter what people say about us. We're going to forgive. We're going to forget. We're going to cut bitterness off. Amen. Amen? Amen. Verse 18. And may we be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. And to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. That we might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now listen to this. The Amplified says that we may have the richest measure of your divine presence. And become a body wholly filled and flooded with God or love himself. Woo! Glory! I'm preaching myself happy. I'm praying myself happy. (laughs) Hallelujah. May we have the richest. Listen. May Heart of the Bay have the richest measure of His divine presence. May we become a body, not just one here and one there, but a whole body flooded and filled with all the fullness of love. Mm-mm-mm. Verse 20. Now, God, unto you, you're able, and there is nothing that you withhold from me. Because you are doing currently in my life way out beyond all that I can dare ask, think, hope, or infinitely beyond my highest prayers, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. According to the power that's worked within me. Pray this with me. Say it with me. My Father, which art in heaven, I hallow your name. I pray your kingdom come. I pray your will be done. Grant me, O God, grant my family strength in the inner man, a comprehension of your great love. Lord God, I pray that I'd have the richest measure of your divine presence. May my family, may my life be filled and flooded with God himself.
And Lord, I thank you that you are doing the exceeding, the abundant, above all I ask, dare, think, according to the power that's at work within me. Now lift up both hands and let's thank him. Just pray in the Holy Ghost or pray in English for a moment. I'm telling you, it's getting good in here. Father, thank you. You can pray in English. Just thank him and praise him that his goodness and his mercy is moving in our lives. All right. So that's just an example, you know, of of how you may want to pray. You pray how the spirit leads you to pray. Okay. But there are some really spirit inspired prayers right in the word that have power. And as you pray those in faith, expect them to come to pass in your life. Amen. All right. So in verse 9 again, after this manner, pray therefore, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now notice verse 11. Give us or give me this day our daily bread. Okay, so this is the principle of going before the Lord on a regular and even on a daily basis and asking for his wisdom. Asking for his guidance. Asking for his direction. See, it honors God when you acknowledge God. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And what will he do? He will direct your path. But what if we don't acknowledge him? (laughs) Then we're on our own. You know, I've been on my own before and I don't like to be on my own. See, without him... Right, Pastor Tom? Without him, we can do nada. We can't do anything without him. Give me this day, my daily bread. Oftentimes in the morning, you know, as a pastor, and and not just as a pastor, but just as a human being, we face all sorts of stuff. I mean, you, you face things at work. You may face some things on the freeway. You may face some things in the grocery store. You know? Decisions need to be made. Things need to be done. Deadlines need to be met. Just sometimes, some days, it just seems like it's 101 different things that need to happen. And if we're not ready and prayed up, I'll guarantee you, we will make mistakes. And mistakes can be very costly. And that's why... The proverb says that wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. Now, the Bible tells us to ask for wisdom, doesn't it? He said in James, I think it is, he said, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth liberally to all men, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, okay? How many of you need some wisdom every day? Not just on Sunday, but every day. Pray this with me right now. Father God, give me this day my daily bread. Give me wisdom. Give me direction. Give me a word from your word. Give me a word from your spirit. Direct my paths, O God. I pray 
In Jesus' name. You know what we've just done? We've just set that in motion. We've just set that in motion. Because whatever we ask the Father in the name of Jesus, He will give it to us. He will grant it to us. Give me this day my daily bread. How many of you have just ever needed to hear from heaven? Amen. I mean, like every day. That's why reading your Bible is so important. God will speak to you through his word. Why? Because God and his word are one. So give us this day our daily bread. Now let's move on. Now notice this one. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So here's the principle of forgiveness. Okay? The only way that we can forgive is by the love of God on the inside of us. Has anybody ever been done wrong? Okay. Has anybody never been done wrong? No, that's just by virtue of living in this world, in this fallen world, you're going to get opportunity to get unforgiveness in your life. Is that right? But now when you think about what unforgiveness does to you physiologically and can do to you mentally, if not dealt with, you don't want to have anything to do with unforgiveness. Because here's what unforgiveness does. Unforgiveness hurts you more than the person that you haven't forgiven. Hey, listen to me. Because when there's unforgiveness in our lives, we could say it like this, that our spiritual pipe is clogged up. Our connection is clogged up. Kenneth Copeland, years ago, he was in a hotel room in Omaha, Nebraska. And he was seeking God before he would go preach that night. And he saw like a big pipe. And on one end of the pipe, there was this great rushing um, stream, a flow of water, a flow of power going into that pipe. But on the other end of the pipe, there was just this little, like you'd put your thumb on your faucet. And there's just a little bit of spray going out. No power. God showed him this. He says, that pipe represents your spirit. That great deluge of water represents my power. He said, but... What's coming out of you is very little compared to what I'm pouring into you. And did you know that's possible? And the Lord showed him that it was strife. And it was just these little nickel and dime things that were short-circuiting the power and cutting the fullness, the richest measure of his divine presence from flowing through him. Well, obviously, Kenneth saw that and made the adjustments. You know, I've discovered in life that life oftentimes is a series of making adjustments. Amen? And so, you know, I'm not pointing fingers at anybody saying you have unforgiveness. But I'll tell you one thing. That is one gate that I would check if I wasn't getting my answers to prayer. That is one gate that I would check if there was long-term things happening in my life with no breakthroughs. Amen? That's just one gate. Okay? Now, here's what unforgiveness will do. It'll affect you more than the one you haven't forgiven. And it will cause bitterness. And uh, if we had time to look at tonight, I could show you in the book of Hebrews that when a root of bitterness gets into a person's life, that root of bitterness takes root and all of a sudden it starts growing. And when that root of bitterness starts growing and gets out of control, the scripture says, thereby 
many are being defiled, not only you, but others around you can become defiled by the bitterness in your life. See, what you carry can affect other people. Are you listening to me? I don't like associating with people that have constant unforgiveness in their life. Amen? So, Lord, pray it with me. Heavenly Father, forgive me my debts. I let go of anything and every wrong that's ever been done in my life. In Jesus' name. Oh, it's so good to be free. Now, notice this next one. This is interesting. And lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. Lead me not into temptation. Well, you know, God's not out there throwing tests and trials and temptations at you, is he? Because the Bible says, let no man say when he's tempted, I'm tempted, tested, or uh, tried of God. All right? So we need to understand that God's not the tempter with evil, right? He does test our obedience and he does test our faith. But the test of faith is much different than the temptation that comes from the evil one. But this general principle, just what this is, is a principle that Jesus is laying out. That we need to acknowledge the fact that we live in a fallen world. And that we live in a world that is infested by demonic forces. Now, I don't want to get negative, but the truth of the matter is, the devil walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he might devour, right? Now, they that are with us, and they that are for us, and he that is in us, is greater than the forces of darkness out there. But it is a wise man, and it is a wise person that understands and realizes that you will be tempted. Whatever that tempted temptation might be. It might be to eat the whole pound cake. You know, I don't know what the temptation may be. But it's a wise person. You see, the Bible says, Him that thinketh he standeth. Right? What is the rest of that scripture? Take heed lest he fall. Thanks, as I went blank. I was tempted to go blank. <laughs> Him that thinketh he standeth, take heed, lest he fall. So what is the take heed part? Well, the take heed part is to realize and understand. See, I have been off of drugs, I don't even know how long. I think it's 35 years, 36 years. Somebody help me. I, uh, last time I ever used anything was December 18th of 1974. How many years is that? So, 37, 38 years. Okay, I've been free from alcohol and drugs for 37 or 38 years. To God be the glory. But I know better than to go down to a medical marijuana center. Are you listening to me? You know, the other day, you know, I was out shooting baskets. I don't play full court basketball anymore, but, you know, sometimes that itch gets on me. Especially when the weather gets about 70 degrees. And so I went down to the place where I used to play, and the place I used to play, you know, people do things that they shouldn't be doing. 
And one guy lit up, and it wasn't a Winston or Marlboro. It was weed. And I smelled that. I didn't walk up to him and say, hey, give me a hit. Give me a pull on that, you know, one toke over the line. No, I walked the other way. Are you listening to me? 38 years. But Mrs. Thomas didn't raise no fool. I'm not going to go. I'll guarantee you. Tonight, when Brenda and I go home, we're not going to stop at the hollow leg for a Coca-Cola. Now, that's for more reasons than one. I'm not going to put myself in an atmosphere. Are you listening to me? This is good for some of you. You need to hear this. You know, I'm like a veteran, 38 years. Well, great, wonderful. But I still have to avoid the danger zones. Are you listening to me? And so, we're not going to go to the hollow leg tonight. We're not going to go anywhere near the hollow leg. You know, and, and when I get around relatives, you know, I mean, when they buried my dad and they did my dad's funeral, it was a fallen down drunken party afterwards. I mean, people were so drunk. My uncle from Boston was so drunk. One of the top, top doctors in the United States at that time. He was so drunk that they almost hauled him in on his way back to the hotel. Trying to drive. They had to stop him. My next door neighbor that uh, I grew up with, Boyd Snyder, was so drunk that he was to drive from Wisconsin to Duluth, which is about 100 miles. People were just beside themselves. That's not the way to celebrate someone going to heaven, by the way. If you're going to get drunk... Drink the right thing. Get drunk on the Holy Ghost. Get drunk on the new wine. Are you listening to me? So, you know, I'm not feeling sorry for myself. I'm just reporting to you. What did Brenda and I do? Did we stand around and say, well, we might as well just join in? You know, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. Uh Uh-uh. You know what we did? We excused ourselves. Loaded our golf clubs in the trunk of our car and went out and golfed together and held hands. I'm not going to. My dad liked golf, yeah. But you see, you've got you've to beware of the danger zones. And so this principle, God, lead me not into temptation. What this is saying, Lord, lead me by your spirit. How many of you know the Holy Spirit knows the danger spots? The Holy Spirit can give you a holy detour. He can send you the other way. He can do for you what you cannot do for yourself. So today, lead me by your Spirit. In every place I go, every conversation I engage in, lead me by your Spirit. And not only that, may I avoid the danger zones today, but Lord, keep me from evil. You think about all the evil that's out there? Keep me from evil. That's why Psalm 91 says, No evil will befall thee. Neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. That means no accident can overtake you. So raise your hands toward heaven right now and say, Heavenly Father, I pray God that you would keep me from the danger zones. 
Lead me by your spirit. In the paths of righteousness. In the right ways. In the right relationships. And I proclaim boldly tonight. That no evil's going to befall me. Neither shall any plague come nigh my dwelling. Now with both hands just say it. For thine is the kingdom. And the power. And the glory. For how long? Forever and ever and ever. Stand up everybody. Let's give him praise tonight. Glory to God.